0: You would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52 we'll begin at the end of Isaiah 52 through the servant uh, song in Isaiah 53. And I am reading out of the New King James version today. I like the way it translates these verses. So, hopefully, not too foreign to whatever you might have in your hand. Uh, following the reading of scripture, we'll sing the Gloria Patri, uh, which is printed in your bulletin. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Isaiah fifty-two thirteen: Behold, my servant shall deal prudently; he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil among the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. You regularly hear me quote portions of this passage when I administer the table of the Lord. And uh, one of the verses that I'll repeat for you, that I'll recite for you, is verse 10, that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And it's when we consider the Agony of Jesus' crucifixion, both in the physical aspects of it and and particularly in the spiritual aspects of it, when the father turns his back on the son and he gives that uh, horrible cry of agony, there's anything but pleasing in that event. So what in the world does it mean when Isaiah writes... That, that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Well, that's what I want us to think about today. What is that talking about? Certainly it cannot possibly mean he gets any giddy delight in the death and the bruising of his own son. But before we get into God's pleasure, uh, what it is that he was pleased about, it's, it's helpful and the text gives us the background Uh, of man's pleasure in the crucifixion. and We begin with that. That's the backdrop of it. Uh, Man took great pleasure in crucifying the Son of God. Man delighted in doing that. Uh, We have the the background to that here in this text. If you look at verses 7 and following, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Uh, he opened not his mouth. He, verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. Uh, who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. In verse 9, and they made his grave with the wicked. A man took great pleasure in the death of the Son of God. And Peter reflects on this when he preaches on the day of Pentecost, man's pleasure, or what man intended to do, what man planned to do. Uh, he, he says that Jesus being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken with lawless hands and have crucified and put him to death. Those men did what they wanted to do. There were nobody, No one was convert, coercing them. Uh, no one demanded this of them. Uh, The the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders in Israel, they delighted in the death of Jesus. Even though they couldn't prove him of any wrongdoing. We have that in the text as well. The last part of verse 9, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. They had nothing they could accuse him of. They had nothing they could condemn him for. Uh, But they hated him and they wanted to be rid of him. The pleasure of men in the cross reveals several things to us. It reveals to us the corruption and the darkness that rules men's hearts, they were corrupt in the darkness of their desires. And they wanted nothing more than to be rid of this man. And so they took pleasure in killing Christ. And from the point of view, man's point of view, looking at the cross, it's the tri- it, it appears to be, at least, the triumph of the ungodly world. They got what they wanted. They got rid of Christ. It was the victory of darkness over light, Here Jesus, the light of the world, was in their presence in their midst and darkness overwhelmed that and uh, and, and, um, covered it uh, and silenced it. Jesus Christ, as he hangs on the cross, though he is the son of God, appears to be helpless in the hands of men. What could he do? And he has that most horrible cry from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And even creation saw the darkness of what was going on. At noon, when it should have been bright light, the world was darkened. Because even creation understood the darkness that was taking place on the cross that day. And so we have the pleasure of men. From a human point of view, horribly dark is the cross. One author reflects on it this way. Was he not the son of God, the last ray of hope in the pitch dark night of human misery? And now the light of the world was extinguished, it seems. Where then is there any hope if the light is being extinguished by the darkness of this world? Where then is the hope of those who wait for the morning if he who is the resurrection and the life is murdered by ungodly men? If he on whom all our hope was fixed as the Redeemer of Israel must suffer defeat at the hands of the powers of this world and its prince, how can we still look for the dawn of redemption? And so indeed, when we look at it from the pleasure of men, It all seems quite hopeless. The darkness, men's pleasure, won. The darkness won. At least it's the way it seems. But that's where verse 10 comes in. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. You see, it's not only man's pleasure that is at work in the cross. It's God's pleasure. And again, it's not pleasure in the sense of a giddy uh, flippance. But what it is, is God had ordained that the Son should bear the sins of his people. It was the pleasure, the will of God to see that accomplished. And so it wasn't just the pleasure of men that was at work that day, but far more significantly, it was the pleasure of God. It was his his will, his desire, his plan, his sovereignty, it was his will that was being accomplished. As Peter said in that phrase, that verse I read, Jesus being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. It was the pleasure of God that was being carried out on that day. It was he that chose to do this. It was his will that was being accomplished. It was the will of the Most High. It was his pleasure that the anointed one would be bruised. And that word bruise seemed so light-hearted that he would be nailed to the accursed tree. It was accomplished in the light of the good pleasure of God. It's what he determined needed to be accomplished. The men are still accountable. They're accountable for the, the evil work that they did that day. They were not coerced to doing it again. They were not forced into doing it. They did what their will chose to do. And God determined in his counsel and foreknowledge that behind the will of the Sanhedrin, behind the will of the wicked high priest, behind the will of that vacillating governor would be the will of the eternal almighty God that would be accomplished. So men are accountable, and they will be held accountable for that, But God causes the wrath of men to praise him. And the hope through that darkness is that the good pleasure, not of the ungodly, is being accomplished, but the good pleasure of the almighty God is being accomplished. <clears throat> that everything that he planned, that he determined to do, would be accomplished. That it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That it was he that put him to grief. It was he that made his soul an offering for sin. It was all, our Almighty God that was accomplishing, he was, he was doing his work through this. The author reflects again on this circumstance. When, when that world cooperates with the Most High to execute his own good, ple- his own good pleasure, <clears throat> they, on their part, have an entirely different purpose. They plan to extinguish the light, to kill the life, to silence the voice of truth, to trample underfoot the glory of God's name. And by doing so, they sign their own condemnation. Yet in the meantime... Every thought of the heart, every contemplation of the mind, every evil plan and secret counsel, every word of accusation and a false testimony, every stripe of the scourge, the weaving of the crown of thorns, the blows of the hammer that strike the cruel nails through hands and feet, and the darkness that presently covers the spectacle on Golgotha, everything... Concentrates around the good pleasure of Him who sits upon the throne. The cross is not ultimately man's cross. The cross ultimately is God's cross. It's His will that's being accomplished. And so, therefore, we have hope. Men are not victorious, God is victorious. Christ hangs helpless, but he's not helpless. He's the son who delights to do the will of the father. We not only have the pleasure of the father, but we have the pleasure of the son. He takes pleasure in doing the will of God. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He delights in doing the will of God. In Psalm 40, we have these words. Sacrifice and offering. This is the Messiah saying this. You did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your laws within my heart. So we don't want to think in terms of, well, it was the pleasure of the Father that this happened. What about the Son who's experiencing it? Well, Jesus says, I delight to do the will of the Father. He's has pleasure, it's his pleasure that he be bruised. Uh, It's he's he's not a, a hapless victim. Uh, He's not a grudging servant. He's not passive. He's entirely active in the whole transaction. And he willingly endured that suffering for your sake and for mine. He delights to do the will of God. He willingly sacrificed and offered up his soul to, to God's plan uh, in obedience to the Lord, and while this is a very sober thing and a significant thing, we think about that at the same time in that verse ten, it tells us the the positive results or the, the fruit of the work that Jesus did. There are three that are given to us there. <clears throat> it says, "He shall see his seed." Was Jesus' death a waste of time? No, in no no way. The the, the church will be built. The elect will be called. Uh, God's people will be gathered. An innumerable multitude. uh, Greater than the sands of the seashore. God, uh, through the the work of Christ, through the one who was bruised, he will see his seed. He will see his descendants. Uh, He shall prolong his days. Probably thinking of perhaps the father's actions toward the son, but is the death the end? No, it's not the end. He is going to be raised again, and his days will be forever. And you and I hear that, hear those words, and it gives us hope. Even our own death. Or the death of those who we, we love. It's not the end. Our days will be prolonged. They will go on. And the summary is. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper. In his hands. That is. The will of God and all his redemptive plan. Will prosper in the hands of of the the suffering servant and will all be accomplished. <clears throat> and the reason we know all of those things, the reason that we can take the pleasure of the Lord and know that it gives us the pathway to hope is something else you hear me quote in verse 11, the next phrase after verse 10, he will see and i like the older translation better <clears throat> he will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied when the father sees the suffering of the one he has bruised does he disregard it does he how does he what does he think of it well we're told there very clearly he sees the travail of Jesus' soul and he is satisfied he accepts it the work the work of Christ the father loves and he accepts it as satisfying the debt for your sin what a statement of hope that is the father sees that travail and he is satisfied satisfied It's all accomplished according to God's glorious plan. And the encouragement for you and I as the people of God especially as we prepare to come to the table of the Lord is to find in that that suffering our hope. Our hope for now, our hope for the future, our hope for eternity. For you and I to live not in the light of the darkness that so often pervades our world, but for you and I to live in the in the light of Christ and his accomplishment on the cross. May that be what draws our hope forward as we rejoice in what God has done, what God was pleased to do for on our behalf. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your sovereign, powerful, and glorious work in the cross. We thank you that it was your pleasure that he be bruised and wounded. We thank you that it was his pleasure to do that. And we thank you that you were satisfied so that we might experience the eternal redemption that there is provided for us uh in 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 your in your son in christ may we O lord embrace that hope uh, and walk forward in that hope for your glory and honor in jesus name amen